Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kerland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Last week, we were talking about my new stay-at-home, learn-from-home clinics, and that discussion took us down some really fun rabbit holes. We talked a lot about the value of videotaping, and, and we were just about to get started talking about constructional training and Gold Diamond's four questions, and that's where I stopped us. So we're going to pick up again at that point with the four questions that are so central to this constructional approach to training. So we'll start out in that getting started clinic and create baselines. Where are you? you know, it's that constructional training. Those four questions that Gold Diamond uh, suggests that we ask of, where are you now? So let's videotape the baseline. What is your starting point? Let's take a look at that and actually and use the coaching sessions to create a baseline. And there are the and three other questions. So the second question, so it's so it you start out. So the first question is really, where do you want to go? Well, that's your your dream big. And let's you know let's let's switch now to the constructional training and those four questions because they're so very powerful. And and I suspect as I'm listening to myself talk that I can just hear the music starting right now going, oh, we're going to make you wait a week for, <laughs> <laughs> for those four questions. And I think probably we will. So, so, so I'll pretend that, I've, that we've, we've formed a, a break in the training and, and we can be saying, and we're picking up now with Gold Diamond's four questions. So okay. you know, Gold Diamond was, he was not an animal trainer. He was a behavior analyst. So he was working in the field of, of uh, psychiatry. And, and yet these four questions are incredibly useful for us uh, with our horses. And I love this whole concept of constructional training. Because in the constructional training, we're not trying to fix something that's broken. We're not trying to patch up. So, so I, like, I think of it like, um, You've, you've bought a piece of property and you've got an old fallen down barn that you could maybe get repair and prop up and, um, and restore and keep your horses there, an old dairy barn. And, and you would forever have to be bending down low because it's an old dairy barn, in the, at least in this part of the world. The, the dairy barns had really low ceilings. Same here. Um, yeah, so... Uh, so you would you would need you would you would have to have really short horses, no tall no tall tall warm bloods no warm bloods <laughs> yeah um, lots of Icelandics yeah or you could uh, you could build a completely new barn over there that was designed purpose built for horses and that was had all the things that you would want uh, a barn to have. Uh, and I, I think of those two two images. And absolutely, yes, you can restore a barn, but there is a lot to be said for building a horse barn that's purpose-made. Purpose so in the constructional training, 
you are you're not try, you're not trying to tear down the old barn. You're not trying to get rid of the old barn. It can stay there. But you are going to build a completely new repertoire of behaviors. And so you begin by saying, well, what do I want? Where do I want to go? What's my big dream? And and most of us, when we first, you know, you think about when you were getting your first horse, I'm sure most of us were dreaming about what we would be doing with that horse. Hmm. You know, what whether if riding was something that was part of our dream, we were visualizing the, you know, that perfect ride and the kinds of of landscapes that we would be riding in and the relationship that we would have with our horses and uh, the kinds of things that that we would uh, experience with our horses, you know, that we would we would have that wonderful smell of the horse's breath, you know, as he nuzzles against your face. All of those, those are part of the big dream. And then also, what are the little dreams? So, uh, yes, there's that big, you know, why is it that we have horses? What is it that we love about horses? Why is it that we... Uh, invest so much time, energy, and money in our horses? What keeps us going back out to the barn? What is it in that big dream that keeps us going out to our horses? Because, you know, let's face it, they're an enormous amount of work. Mm. And there are a lot of animals that we could have that would be much easier to have, you know, rabbits or something. Cats. <laughs> yeah, cats. But we have horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so that's all part of it. And then what are the little dreams? You know, the little dreams such as, uh, you know, I would like my horse to uh, pick up his feet well for the farrier, load onto mm. a trailer well. You know, so that those can be uh, some of the dreams that you have. Well, for some people, the trailer loading is not a little dream. It's a big dream. <laughs> it's a big dream. Yeah. Yeah. But it sits within a larger dream. Mm-hmm. You know, so... So it's, where do you want to go? And then the second question is, where are you now? Mm. And, and so you're, you're basically assessing, what do you already have in repertoire? What are the skills that you and your horse already have, which will help you to identify the things that you need to teach? So it's, where are you now? And then what do you need, how, do you, how are you going to go from where you are now to where you want to go? So what are the components that still need to be taught? And then the fourth question is, what's going to keep you motivated? And of course, that will vary from one person to another. So there isn't one set answer. It's not, we're not all going to have the same reasons why we have horses, but what's going to keep you motivated? Hmm. And those four questions, I think, are really great guidelines for all kinds of things in our lives. And with the clinics that, that I'm developing, they, they, are, they are built along those, that constructional, within that constructional framework. Where are you now? What do you currently have in repertoire? What do you need to teach? So if 
And what will keep you motivated? And what will keep you motivated? You know, that's interesting because every once in a while I'll, I'll see a post on social media where people will say, I'm not motivated anymore or I haven't been for a little while. Yeah. It's an interesting question. What have you heard people say that keep them motivated? Progress is a big thing. Oh, yeah. You know, so progress, I think, is a, is a big piece. Mm. And I think that when people say they've lost motivation, it's often because they've gotten stuck somewhere yeah. in their training. That's and true. they're not making progress. Mm. Um, and, you know, some of it will be related to uh, some of the personal, you know, what, is, what are the goals that you have around uh, your horses? So that um, number one question. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that keeps me going is uh, I just love being around my horses. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the smell of horses. The, you, know, you, you throw your arms around them and you just, I love, you know, like on, on a cold February day when they've been standing out in the sunshine and you go out and you throw your arms around your horse and you just inhale. And that warm, mm. sun-warmed fur, ah, it's lovely. You know, for me, one thing that is always a big motivator is, and it, 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 it's both in my number one question and in my, of course, in the number four, because I suppose when you reach your goals, that, that, like, that keeps you motivated. But for me, it, it a lot of, a big motivation is to see that the horses are enjoying it. Yes. Big motivation. And right now I'm in a small private barn. Um, there are only uh, six horses in the barn. So I can train in the barn. You know, when I go at lunch, there's no one. So I can just go and get my, so I take my horses from the outside paddock. I bring them in. And they're in the box. And so I'll train them alternatively because now I have two. Um, but I'll just go get them in the box. I don't put a halter on. They just follow me because they right. want to be trained, you know. So they just follow me around everywhere. And I know sometimes for traditional trainers, it's like, huh? <laughs> you know, and I have to be careful because I don't want them, you know, I don't want like people barging in and, but even if someone, you know, yesterday I was training and someone just came in and I was training uh, Bonanza and he just, he didn't move, you know, he was, I, I was a little bit started because she was in my back, the door was in my back, but I guess he saw her coming. Yeah. And so he, he didn't move at all. And so it's for me to know that they really want to be trained, that they're, willingly, uh, enthusiastically, but very politely following yes. me in the barn because they're super, like, they're very soft and they're very gentleman-like in the barn. Um, and they'll just do whatever they're like dogs. <laughs> I like that, you know, to see that they are enjoying it and that they, and I, I put some hay in the box, but they would much rather come in the barn aisle and play with me. So that's a big, that keeps me motivated. Yes. There's definitely. no, there's no saying please to them, you know? Yeah. I want to come out and play. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is definitely a big part of it. Oh yeah. That keeps me motivated. And I, <laughs> to know I they're enjoying it. Yes. And I suspect that's woven into the answer for a great many people 
who are exploring uh, positive reinforcement training, that the, the pleasure that the horses have, the happiness of their horses, the welfare of their horses is a big part of it. Hmm. And seeing their, their horses' uh, welfare expand keeps them going, definitely. Yeah. So what, I, what I'm envisioning is, so for example, the first clinic obviously is the getting started clinic because you have to, you know, you, you need to begin at the beginning. And so it is, uh, it is, it looks at the core concepts. It looks at, at constructional training, what it is. It looks at loopy training. It looks at the six foundation lessons and how you teach them in the details of the foundation lessons. It looks at how you use the foundation lessons to begin to expand out your training so that you can teach what I always refer to as the universals. The universals are those things that it doesn't matter what what riding discipline you uh, are interested in. These are things we all need to teach our horses, such as having their feet cleaned. No, it doesn't matter whether you ride English or Western. You still have to groom them. You still have to pick out their feet. We want to put halters on, et cetera, et cetera. There are just universal things that are part of basic husbandry. And the foundation lessons, as you know, make the teaching of that so much easier. And so all of that is, is and, and all the concepts um, that sit at the core of understanding how to use clicker training, uh, how cues work to build uh, small sequences of behaviors and to expand those sequences out into longer uh, sequences. So you're not just clicking and treating every little instance of a behavior, but you can actually start to develop performance and, and that you can use one behavior with another to balance the behavior, et cetera, et cetera. All of that it sits in that first foundation lesson, which is actually a huge amount when you start listing it out. What I would love to see is that people will then also participate in the virtual coaching sessions and that we begin to get a record of their horse's training. So we'll, we'll get a baseline. Where are you now? Mm-hmm. What is your starting point? What does it look like? What is the dream that you're working towards? So that we know what are the building blocks that you're going to need And how do we begin to uh, assemble those building blocks for you and your horse? So we'd be looking at some of the core component skills and that as people move through the courses, that we would be tracking the horses and following their progress. And we'll end up with a wonderful case history video record uh, that would be some, you know, what what Michaela has that's such a treasure that mm. she has with Blondie, where we can track Blondie's progression mm. uh, over a long period of time. And you just see this extraordinary training that is evolving. And you can see the connect the dots, connect all the pieces. So it doesn't look like magic when a horse, when you know, you send a horse, well, it does look like magic. You know, you, you're standing in the middle of a circle you, 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 you wave to your horse and your horse goes out uh, to the uh, perimeter, walks around the circle of cones. And uh, when you wave back at the horse, they come into the middle for a click and a treat. It does look like magic, but at least you, 
in this case, you know, you know how the magician created the magic. Mm. Uh, yeah, which is really powerful. And so each clinic adds more components. So mm -hmm. we're just gradually connecting up the dots, layer by layer, clinic by clinic, towards riding performance. And I'm just really, uh, I've been, this has been my project since last fall. I've just had nose to grindstone, building out these eight courses and they're as we're recording this, they are almost ready to launch. And maybe by the time I, we publish this part of it, uh, I may have launched the first course or two so people can register for them. So the, the, the courses will be parallel to the clinics, the same kind of content or the... No, because you have eight courses. One. No, so there are eight. There were eight clinics. Oh, eight clinics yeah. and eight courses. And eight, so these these online self-paced portions, mm -hmm. this is the self-paced, you can think of it as the self-paced portion of the clinic. Okay. So rather than going, than spending a weekend together where we go through a presentation together, mm -hmm. you can watch it on in your own time over a period of time. Mm -hmm. So you're not, I mean, you can, you can spend an afternoon, a day, whatever, watching all of the material that sits within the, one of those courses. Or you can spread it out and you can always go back and listen to any of the videos again. And uh, so if there's something- But it, the more, content is mirroring the, the clinics. The content was, is mirroring what I presented in the clinics that I developed okay. over the last two years. Yeah. So you'll be putting those on your website soon. So the, they're listed on my website. Okay. So all of the clinics with the, the full syllabus are listed. So you, anyone can go to theclickercenter.com and you can read about the eight clinics. You can read the, uh, what they contain. You can look at the syllabus. And I hope that you get really excited and you want to join in the process. And, and I would say that even if you are really experienced with the clicker training, and you think, well, you know, I don't really need the uh, introductory clinic. I can, you know, I can skip through that. It is, I find it is useful to go back and review those early steps that I often use Robin to film, you know, if I need, if I need a video clip of grownups are talking and I don't have one uh, in my archives that I can just pop in that would be really suitable, I'll go out and film Robin. And what I, you know, what I always find is that when I go back and I use him to help me illustrate one of these early lessons, that there is benefit to the work that we are currently doing. And even though it's like he's been targeting for decades, mm -hmm. but when I uh, use him to illustrate targeting 101, there is a ripple effect because the, you know, it's, the context is different. He knows grownups are talking, but when I go into, so this is grownups are talking 101, the, the context cues shift from what we would normally be doing together. And it's- For example? Great, well, for example, I wouldn't necessarily be going into that very formalized, stylized right. 
he would just be standing near me while mm-hmm. I talk to you. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the cute things. I was, uh, when the vet comes to the barn, we'll have spring shots fairly soon. And um, that will go through and do whatever they need to do. And then we usually stand in the barn aisle chatting. And of course, Robin has full access to the barn aisle. And so he'll come and join the cluster of people. And it's really cute because you've got, you know, you've got this little circle of people standing at a properly uh, distance from one another. But, you know, we're, we're talking together. And then you'll have Robin sort of come in and just stand there and you know, look as though he's following the conversation and following everything that's being said. It's very cute. I, I always get a chuckle out of it. So he definitely, he definitely knows how to join in. The grown-ups are talking. Please don't interrupt. So going through the those beginning lessons, I think is a useful review. You know, I think about I have gone through those foundation lessons. I don't know how many hundreds of times. Mm. You know, when you think of the number of clinics that I've given, the number of emails I've written, the posts I've written, the blog posts I've written, the books I've written, the videos I've made, you know, on and on, the number of times that I have gone back and thought about and talked about and written about the foundation lessons. And I think one of the strengths that I have within my training is that those foundation lessons are very fresh for me. They aren't some detail that's buried, you know, 10 years back in my training the last time I had a a new horse in the barn. And I'm sure you don't talk about them the way you did 20 years ago, because there's always something new that is informing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sure the concepts behind everything is always being refined in your way of teaching it and because we've the, the the community has grown and has evolved, the content has evolved over the past yeah. years, as it will continue to do. And so, in a way, it's like um, having the foundation updated with all the freshest, yes, most cutting edge information. Well, and I I love I love the the structure and the language that referring to this the constructional training brings to the work mm-hmm. because you're, you know you we were always teaching the component parts you know that's been part of my training from pre clicker training you now it's what are the building blocks what are the smaller pieces that you can teach that would make this much more Uh, advanced performance exercise so much easier. But having the framework, the language of constructional training, I think brings a lot of clarity mm-hmm. to the teaching process. And so, yes, you're right that every time, you know, with, as, we, as we revisit the work, there are more details. I often think of, you know, the, and part of the reason that I keep the early DVDs is because in a way they're simple. Uh, uh, it, we, you know, that people get to step in and experience clicker training through the eyes and the experience 
of a community that was just discovering clicker mm. training. And of course, now we've had 20, 30 years of clicker training courses. And so you could, we're, we're no longer so naive, so wonderfully mm -hmm. naive. Mm -hmm. And when I say the simplicity of clicker training, every horse handler team reveals something about the work. They either confirm, yes, this is a good detail, or, well, you haven't quite got all the components that are needed. Here's something that you need to be thinking about that's really important. And I think of all these details that the horses have revealed for us that are really important. And when I, because uh, you know, you've, you've, you've had that reaction of, there's so many details. Yeah, I know. You know? I remember. Yeah. yeah, and there are. And there are. Yeah. And there still are so many details, you know, yeah. things that I'm discovering now that are so important that I just didn't see before. Yes, yes. See, I think that's worth talking about because when you first go through, there is no way, there is no way that you can appreciate why some of those details are important. Mm -hmm. But as you go deeper into the work, and you are you have more experience and you are using the component skills in more contexts, you begin to see why those details matter. Mm. And you begin to see connections that you would not have been aware of uh, initially because you didn't have you didn't have the pieces to connect. Mm. You know, if you only have A. And you don't have B, you can't connect A and B together. Yeah. And, you know, like extinction. I mean, no one wants to, well, maybe we used to ex want to voluntarily extinguish. Um, but, I mean, generally, people don't want to use extinction as a strategy. But if you don't know about it, it's going to happen and you won't see the early signs, you know, you right. won't see that, oh, all of a sudden the rhythm is breaking. You yes. know, I'm not getting that fluency that I had. I'm asking for too much perhaps, and I'm putting my horse in extinction. So you wouldn't even see it, the, the early signs. You would certainly see the later signs, yes. but, um, you know, just that little hesitation that break of the rhythm or all yeah. of a sudden because um, um, the I mean I think it's a very important piece for me the extinction piece is really important but yes. all all those all those pieces yeah. are important well that's and why so, it's the it's the second you don't clinic. know you don't know until you know right yeah I think There's, that that's why the the second clinic is extinction friend or foe because you know as as within the positive reinforcement community we know that I mean, what we don't want to do is make an active, deliberate use of positive punishment, of the active presentation of adversives. We know that that's something we, we uh, want to avoid in our training. But extinction is, it's not as... It's you know what it makes me think of? You used to hear a lot, ignore what you don't like. Just ignore it. That concentrate on what you, the behaviors you like and ignore what you don't like. Well, you know, 
that can lead a lot to extinction or you know let's or, just let that behavior extinguish on its own yeah well that can be a mess that can or take a while withhold your click and and if you withhold your click maybe you know you'll get the behavior you're looking for oh or, i'll give you another one that is contrary to constructional and loopy training that you hear a lot that is a, a variation of what you just said yeah let the horse figure it out. Yes. Ooh, that yeah. one. Let the horse figure it out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you Which know, is, it's great if you've put into repertoire the components that let him figure it out easily. So that's that wonderful video clip that uh, we often use uh, with Robert Epstein's work of the pigeon pecking the banana. So yeah, Robert yeah, 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 yeah. So and I, and I need to describe that because not everybody yeah. will have seen it. Yeah. Well, Robert Epstein was B.F. Skinner's last graduate student, and they were looking at, they were looking at the question of what is insight. So they and they were looking, in particular, at a experiment that Keeler had done in the, I want to say the 1940s, uh, where he was uh, during the war he was stranded on the. I want to say the island of Tenerife, but it doesn't really matter. And he was uh, conducting some experiments. Uh, Keeler was conducting some experiments with chimpanzees, where he would there would be various objects in the enclosure. There would be boxes and poles and uh, and so on. And he would hang a banana up out of reach and then observe the chimpanzees. And some of the chimpanzees would appear to just sort of sort of sit and watch and think and uh, and then all of a sudden they would get up and push some boxes around and get up on the box and knock the banana down with a pole and he called this insight and what Skinner was looking at is well what 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 is insight what is it and so Epstein uh, took some pigeons and he taught the pigeons to peck a toy banana for a reinforcer. And then he put the pigeons in an experimental chamber. And in the experimental chamber, there was a small box. And the question was, would the pigeons figure out how to push the box so that it's pushed underneath the banana and then the pigeon can get up on the box and peck the banana? Otherwise, and it's too high for him. Otherwise, it's too high for him. And their wings were pinned so they couldn't fly. So there is this extraordinary video. I mean, the first time you see it, it's just jaw-dropping. Because this pigeon is in this box, and he's sort of, uh, he's moving around the box, and he looks up at the banana, and looks down at the box, looks up at the banana, looks down at the box. And then all of a sudden, he starts pushing the box, and pushing the box and he hops up and he looks up at the banana and then he hops down and he pushes the box and he hops up on the box and it's now the box is under the banana and he pecks the banana and it takes him mm -hmm. a minute or two to solve this and it's extraordinary mm -hmm. the first time you see it yeah but what so what you look at in the study is that some of the pigeons were taught the component behaviors that were needed for the pigeon to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. So they were taught to hop up on the, they had in repertoire, the experience of hopping up on the box. And they had in repertoire, 
pushing the box to a uh, set to a line. And with those components, they could solve the puzzle. If they had pigeons that had not been taught those components, the pigeons never solved the problem. Yeah. How did we get yeah. there? Well, because we were talking about extinction and sometimes, oh, yes. and you hear people a lot say, well, let the animal figure it out. And very often I find that what I'm seeing is a very confused animal. Yep. I'm very far from airless learning and I'm actually witnessing extinction while the person is putting all the responsibility on the animal to figure it out. To figure it Whereas out. with the constructional approach or with a constructional approach, I should say. Um, no, with, the, with the constructional approach, you're because the constructional approach, whatever, however you are using it, you are putting in the necessary, you're, you're putting in the components. So part of what it means to be constructional is you're looking at the, you're looking at a complex skill and you're saying, what are the components? What are the building blocks that my learner needs to have in repertoire in order for this particular behavior to be uh, solvable? Mm -hmm. uh, and easily solved. Yeah. And, and if I start to see a lot of frustration, that means that I'm missing a component. So one, yeah. of the, one of the things that as a trainer we want to become sensitive to is that when I'm working with a learner, doesn't matter with the species, but when I'm working with a learner and I see that my loop is just, it's just not, it's not becoming clear that uh, my rates of reinforcement are dropping, my learner is showing signs of frustration, that that's an indicator to me that I'm missing a component skill. And it's a, I should probably go, I should probably put my learner, you know, let my horse go back to his know his friends and you I should, should go have a, a the proverbial cup of tea yeah. not and go continue to dig the hole that you're yeah. starting yeah. to get into yeah, yeah. and so yeah and 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 so because what what I was getting to about this let the horse figure it out rather than you know having this approach is that it puts the responsibility back on me yes. to set it up cleverly and not just let the horse figure it out on its own because I've been sloppy in the way I engineered the whole situation, in the fact that I haven't thought about the missing components, I haven't spent a minute really observing what is missing. I'm just hoping the horse will fill the gaps. Yes, and there are some wonderfully, I, I almost think we should call all of this training sneaky training because there's some really sneaky ways in which we can build the repertoire so that when we ask for you know, this, the, the, the goal behavior, the, the outcome that we're looking for, that our learner can just pop it out. You know, that's for instance? Well, uh, for instance, I think, well, lateral work. You know, when we get deeper into the, into the clinics, we're looking at lateral work. And when you start uh, teaching a horse to lead beside you and to walk, uh, say, from a mat that's in the middle of a circle, and then you go out 
around a cone and you come back into uh, the middle of the circle to the mat. As you go around that cone, you are, you are essentially put, taking the horse through the pattern uh, that I refer to as three flip three, and you are beginning to open up um, lateral flexions. So when you start to ask the horse to go, to go out to a cone and then stay out on the rim of the circle to go around a second cone before coming back in, what you will see if, you're, you know, if your eye is tuned to it, you will see lateral flexions beginning to pop out. And then you just, oh, look, there it is. Let me click and reinforce it. How can it be that easy? Let me, you know, it's just, I, I just get such a chuckle over how some of these things that used to be so hard are just, they just pop out because you've, you've put in the component skills mm-hmm. and there they are. And that's really what it means when things pop out, that the, all, the, all the necessary components are in place and it becomes easy for the next piece of the training to just be there. And if a step feels really hard, it means that the components aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all there. I, th- I think that's such a powerful, powerful idea to and to really remember. You know, you start thinking, wow, I'm really struggling here. So let me go look at the video. <laughs> you know, mm. we talked about video. Let me go look at the video. Is it a skill that I'm missing? Is it a skill that my horse is missing? Is it a skill, you know, is, is, and is it a skill that we're both missing? Where, what, you know, what do I need to, uh, to explore that would make, the, or, or if, do I just need to change some little thing in the way I've set up the environment? Mm-hmm. How, how is the environment set up so I can be successful? But be, the, one of the first parts of that is really understanding what the extinction process is all about and that it can work for you but when it's on a macro level it really definitely works against you because you get all of the associated emotions of frustration and so when you say it can work for you you mean because of the variation it it uh it allows when there when it's a micro extinction is that what you yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, you can um, you can start you get that that you get basically you get a little bit of regression, but you've set it up so that when you're when you what your animal regresses to is a behavior that you've put into repertoire. So the the answer pops out. It's very sneaky. I love sneaky training and I love all the connections. You think you're just teaching your horse to touch a target, but if you pay attention to your food delivery, you're really having a riding lesson. It's so very sneaky. That's the sort of thing we're going to be exploring in the clinics, all these fun connections. When we recorded this episode, I was still working on the clinics. I am delighted to announce that they are now open. You can register for course number one, Off to a Great Start, at my website, theclickercenter.com. I really want to take a constructional approach to this work. You can't put a roof on a building until you have something underneath to attach the roof to. 
The same is true with these courses. I'm asking people to go through them systematically so we can build the work systematically, layer by layer. I've got a great group of people who are already signed up. We have some people who are brand new to my training, and we also have some very experienced clicker trainers, people I've known and worked with for years. So it's going to be really exciting to see what evolves when experienced trainers revisit the foundation lessons. Already we've been having some really interesting and phenomenal observations as people begin to think about the opening steps of the training. What I'm primarily seeing is that the experienced trainers are asking very different questions from the questions that they would have been asking the first time through this work. And those questions, of course, are going to bring out different answers. They're going to, you're going to see the training in a very new way. They're going to see connections that weren't immediately obvious to them the first time through, just because the questions that they're asking direct their focus in a different way. So I think there are actually some huge advantages to going through these courses as an experienced trainer and not thinking, oh, well, I already know this stuff, because I think we're all going to be making discoveries. So if you want to join us, go to my website, theclickercenter.com. There you'll find detailed descriptions of the individual courses, plus the course syllabus for each one. And if you have questions, I'm always just an email away. I hope you'll join us. These stay-at-home, learn-at-home clinics are going to be a lot of fun. And given the way the gas prices are going through the roof these days, staying at home makes a lot more sense than putting a truck and trailer on the road. You can sign up for the courses at any time. They are self-paced, so you don't need to feel as though you've got to stay up with a particular class. You go through them at your own pace on your own schedule. Next week, we're going to continue our conversation. It's still going to be about the clinics, at least that's going to sit in the background. But as you've seen already, it's going to be about lots of other things as well. Dominique is going to explore some questions she has about developing Spanish walk. So stay safe and have fun with your horses. <laughs>